You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Uh, we are on our third week of our series, Dreamcatcher. Have you all like, like enjoyed the first two weeks of Dreamcatcher? For those of you that... Um, so I'm going to do a quick recap if, if this is your first time here or first time within the series. Week one, we, we looked at this idea that... Um, uh, we, we debunked some dream delusions, and the biggest one is this, that your dream is not just made up of the destination, but it's also the journey. And what happens is that we, we begin to think that the, that our, that the dream is the destination, and, and have you guys ever just been frustrated where it seems like, man, I'm not reaching that dream that I feel like God's placed in me? And so really the heart of week one was this idea that you're living the dream right now. So that when, when the enemy tries to tell you, man, you'll never reach the dream, you could be, hey, shut up. <laughs> like, I'm living the dream right now. And, and that was week one. Week two w- was last week. We looked at the idea that you could still dream in the dark. And that for some of you, that God wants to do something in your life, but he could only develop that in the dark. And so there's some of you guys, you're, you're on your pursuit of your dream, but, but you, you found yourself in a dark spot, maybe health or finances or relationship problems. But, but this idea that, that there may be something God wants to develop while you're in that stage. And this week, we, we're coming to an end to, or actually, no, that's not true. We're, we have one more week next week, which is going to be phenomenal. Let me just say it's going to be extra phenomenal. Come, don't, don't miss it. It's extra phenomenal. But, uh, but this week, I, I want to talk to you from the subject, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Could you touch your neighbor on the shoulder if, if it's not weird and just say, hey, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Turn to your second choice and tell him, dare to dream. <laughs> We've been following the story of this guy named Joseph in the Bible and uh, we learned that, that Joseph, at the age of 17, God had given him a dream. But it took him about 20 years to finally see the destination, the, the final, the end point of the dream. But Joseph, he, he was living the dream for, for about 20 years. And, and uh, Joseph, there was a lot of ups and downs on his journey. And um, I, I wonder that if there was some point... In the journey of the dream where Joseph just felt like, man, this is not worth it. Like, this is not worth dreaming. Like, I don't want, like, there's too much pain. Have you ever been there? Like, pursuing a dream and, and you just get to that place where you're like, man, this is just too hard. And it's very easy to allow those things to, to dictate how you respond to the dream. But I'm so glad that Joseph modeled the 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 idea, idea of persistency, because he, he stuck with it. And I'm going to read to you uh, Genesis chapter 45. And this is really uh, when his dream, the destination part, comes, comes to be. That's not there anymore. Okay. <laughs> uh, do we have that? <laughs> so uh, there's a famine in the land. There's no food anywhere except for Egypt. And so Joseph and Joseph's brothers, uh, they, they need some comida, hey. And uh, that's all I know. <laughs> that's all I know. Be blessed. Um, and, uh, and, and so he's, uh, uh, they, they, they come to Egypt, and, and this is where Joseph, he reveals himself 
uh, to his brothers. He says, as I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in to slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. I love this verse 7. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. I'm going to read that verse 7 again. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Listen, there, there's, there are people out there that you, probably, you may not even know that are begging, God, please let someone respond to what I'm going through. And people, there are people that you may not even ever meet who are waiting, man, I wish this person, I wish they would just start dare to dream, dare to dream. And so I want to pray, and then we're going to get started, and then we're just going to have fun this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness to us, God. I, Lord, I, I thank you that for the amazing time that we had in worship. God, I thank you that as it, as it says in your word, God, that you enthrone yourself in the praises of your people. And so I believe, God, you are here in the midst of us right now. And so I pray that whatever I say, that it would fall on good ground. God, we want to leave here changed. God, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world. Will you help us today to dare to dream? In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, have you ever got a gift uh, that, that you really, you, you've always asked for, maybe it's something that you really always wanted, and, um, and you were just, you, you just wanted this, and you finally got the gift that you've always wanted, only to just not really be sure how, like, if you want to use it or not. Let me explain. Um, my wife, last Christmas, she said, baby, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, all I want for Christmas. No, I didn't say that. Some of you are like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but I said, babe, I want these pair of shoes. And, and, um, and there were these white, like white sneakers. I, I think they're sneakers. Um, but they were white, okay? And so she's like, okay, I'll, I'll, get them to, I'll get them for you. To you? I'll get them for you. I'll get them for you. It doesn't matter. Uh, and, and so Christmas Day came. I, I, I unwrapped it. And I was like, this is it. And I opened them. And they were the white shoes that I wanted. However, I realized, as looking at these shoes, I realized just, like, these shoes aren't just white, but they're, like, white, white. They're, like, not off. Like, they're, like, white, white. They're, like, the ones, like, if you sneeze, the whatever comes out, like, it, it, it spread. Like, it, they were white, white shoes. And I begin to, like, I know first world problems, but I begin to kind of have anxiety with it because I was, like, I'm going to get these things dirty. Like, these, these, these things are so beautiful, and, and I'm pretty sure my wife, um, you know, she, she paid a, a pretty penny for it. Like, I don't want to get these things dirty. And then I was just, I was looking at these shoes, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, uh, so, so I actually, I, I put them in my closet, and they were in there for like two months. Didn't even touch them. Um, and then one day, I, I had an outfit that I was like, man, these shoes would look amazing with. Said the only guy in the room. My goodness. 
I felt like all the dudes in the house were like. <laughs> but these, my, and so I was like, man, these shoes will be amazing with this outfit. And so I got them out of my closet. I took it out. I looked at my very white, white, white shoes. And I was like, I'm going to wear them. And then I realized that it just rained the night before. <laughs> the struggle is real. And I was like, man, I can't wear. And then I was literally, I sat on the edge of my bed for like five minutes contemplating whether or not, like, I should put these on. Like, what should I do with these white shoes that I wanted, but I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to, like, because I've, I've had white shoes before. And I would, and, and I don't want to get into it, but I've had white shoes before, and I've ruined them before. And so I was like, I was kind of scared, like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess them up. I don't want to mess these ones up. And then, like, what if I did mess them up? My wife will be mad. Come on, first world problems. And, and so I decided to put them back in the box, put them back on the shelf, because I didn't want to get them dirty. And I was thinking about, I, I was thinking about this, this idea that I wanted sneakers, that I had them. But then I didn't know what to do with it. And I was thinking that that's very similar, at least I would believe it's very similar, when it comes to most of us in the dream that God's placed in our hearts. This idea that, that and, and let me pause for a sec, no matter if you're here this morning and, you're, and you believe in Jesus or you're here and, and you don't believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter with what I'm about to say, that this idea that, that God, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, he has a dream for you. And so I think that it's very, it's very common to understand that God has his dream. He's placed his dream in our hearts. But for a lot of us, myself included, is we have this dream. We're like, whoo, I have this dream that God's placed in my heart. But, but a lot of us, we sit at the edge of the bed looking at this dream that God's given us. And we say, I don't know what to do with it. What should I do with this, with this dream? Like, how do I steward this dream that God's placed in my heart? And for a lot of us, we, 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 we look at the dream and, and because of perhaps past failures that you, you've encountered or, or, uh, or, or maybe you just, you're, you're kind of unsure of how everything's going to unravel and unfold. We look at the dream that God's given us. We look at the fear that's associated with the dream. And for a lot of us, the fear looks way bigger than the dream. So then we take the dream, we put it back in the box, and we put it back on the shelf. And I feel like this morning, what my whole goal, my whole point of this, of this talk is that we can get to the place where we can look at the dream, we can look at the fear, and we can understand that the person that gave us the dream is bigger than the fear itself so that we don't become like me who just want to put the sneakers away but we're like hey I'm going to put this dream on I'm going to walk it out and I'm going to see where God takes me and so th th this morning I want us to get to the place where we can dare to dream that our, our ability to dream is not predicated on fear but it's predicated on the size of the dream and the size of the person that gave us the dream. So how do we do that? How do we get to the place 
where the dream outweighs the fear? How do we get to the place where we begin to see the dream that God has put in our hearts and is bigger than the fear? That's what I want to talk to you guys this morning. I got two points if you guys are taking notes. Because the problem with keeping the dream in the box and putting it back in the shelf is that the potential of the dream is only as good as the response to the dream. I'll say that again. The potential of the dream is only as good as the response to the dream. So here's what I mean. The only way that your dream can impact people is if we can take the dream from the heart, from internally, and we begin to live it out. And so, so how do we do this? How do we, how do we get the, the dream to look bigger than the fairy? Here's the first one. This might be the shortest message I've ever shared with you guys. <clears throat> but I said that before too, so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, number one, here it is for you note takers. The correct perspective of God. Correct perspective of God. Now, I know you're thinking, John, that's a no-brainer. That's, that, that's, that I could have told you that. But check this out. This is, this is vital. Your perception of God determines your expectation of God. Let me say that again. Your perception of God shapes your expectation for God. I'll say that again. Your perception of God shapes your expectation for God. So how you see God in your life will determine what you expect from him. And so if your your perspective of God is big God, then you'll believe that he can do big things. But if you have a perspective that God is a small God, you begin to to wonder if God can do the big things in your life. Like you'll pray to God that he would heal your cold, but you won't trust him for your marriage or your finances. And so your perception of God determines your expectation for God. There's an amazing story in the Bible found in Numbers, and it's a story of this group of people uh, they're, they're scoping out the promised land that God had given them or that wants to give them. And, and really, uh, I see this as, as these guys going to this land of Canaan and, and looking, at, uh, looking at, at this land, this, what I would say is, the, is God's dream for his people, for Israel. And, and they go to this land and, and their whole job is to scout it out. To, to see the type of land that God is giving the people. To see the dream that God is giving the people. And what's amazing is that we see this, we see this, um, this idea of, of uh, different perspectives of who God is in this story. Because the group comes back and and majority of the people in that group, they come back and they're like, this dream is impossible. There is no way that it can happen. In fact, there's giants in this, in this land, and, and we're just like, the Bible says, we're, we're like small grasshoppers to them. 
Like this dream that God has, has for us, it'll never come to pass. The Bible says that the people begin to freak out. <laughs> oh my goodness. But then there are two people, Caleb and Joshua, and they had a different perspective of the dream that God was going to give them. I want to read that to you in Numbers chapter 14. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of, woo, members of the scouting party, <laughs> uh, ripped their clothes and addressed the assembled people of Israel. The land we walked through and scouted out is a very good land, very good indeed. If God is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land that flows, as they say, with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Just don't rebel against God. That's the important part. But watch this, the yellow part. And don't be afraid of those people. Why, we'll have them for lunch. They have no protection, and our God is on our side. Don't be afraid of them. And so while there was a group of people that, that came back, and they're like, hey, the dream is really good, but it's impossible. There were two people that came and said, hey, we saw the dream. We saw the dream in which God has given us, and I think we can do it. I think that we can handle it. And, and really what they're saying is that we understand we have the correct perception of who God is. We have the correct perception of God. That, and in the way I look at it is this. If the God, let me rewind. I'm going to hold that. I'm jumping, I'm jumping past my notes. We got to have the correct perspective of God. It was the same dream, different outcome, based on how they viewed the ability of their God. This morning, what is your perspective of God? What is your perspective of God in the situation that you're in? Because your perception determines your expectation. I feel like this morning, God wants us to stretch our understanding of who God is in our lives. See, I don't know what, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but, but I do know that the God that I believe, the God that painted the stars in the sky is the same God that you have access to. The same God that I believe breed life into the lungs of Adam is the same God that you have access to with whatever you're going through. And I believe that if we can have that perception of God, we'll be able to expect a lot bigger things of him in our lives and in our situation. But here's the thing. I think that that having the correct perception of God, that's just part of it. I think there's a whole nother side too that, that God wants us to grasp and hold on to so that we can understand that the dream and the dream giver is bigger than the fear of pursuing the dream. And here's, here's the second one. Embracing the process of people. 
embracing the process of people. See, the correct perspective of God is, is, is right, like we need to. But God wants to use people in our lives to help us along the journey of living out our dream. In fact, the wisest man in the world, King Solomon, he said this exact same thing. Uh, we read it in Proverbs chapter 27. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. He, he, he's painting this picture, this idea that you have something that can make me better. And I have something that can make you better. And that if we can get around each other, that God can do something in our lives that, that we cannot do on our own. And so in this story of Joshua, or excuse me, um, Joseph, in this story of Joseph, uh, there are three encounters with people that I think that we can learn from and are very beneficial to our lives. And so once we get through those three people, we are done. Um, and come on, Applebee's. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on, Amy's. Right? No? Um, so here, here's the first one, the stranger, the stranger. Here's what, uh, Genesis 37 writes. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I'm looking for my brothers. Joseph replied, do you know where they are? pasturing their sheep. Yes, the man told him. Now, if you read this story just really quick, you, you never, I've never even noticed this guy in this story. This guy, he, he's kind of, name, like, he's, he's, he's not important enough for us to know his name. But he, he fulfills a purpose that Joseph needed in order to get to the next stage of the dream. See, because Joseph, the Bible says, he, he was listening to his dad. His dad told him to go check on his brothers. So he goes, and he goes to the place that his dad told him. And he gets there, but he sees none of his brothers. And the Bible says that he just began wandering around. Just wandering. And I have to believe that it was so obvious that little Joseph, little 17-year-old Joseph had no idea what he was doing, that this random guy would notice Joseph wandering around. And so he goes up to Joseph and, can I help you? And Joseph's like, hey, I'm looking for my brothers. Have you seen them? And so not only does, uh, does this guy identify Joseph's wandering, but he also helps direct Joseph to get to the right place. And see, this is, this, is, this is so important. This is such an important part of the story because if Joseph never found his brothers, his brothers would have never thrown him in the pit. And if his brothers never thrown, threw him in the pit, they would have never traded him to the Ishmaelites. And if the Ishmaelites never uh, bought Joseph, they would have never sold Joseph to Potiphar. And if they never sold Joseph to Potiphar, Potiphar's wife would have never seen the pool boy. And if the pool, 
And if the desperate housewife would have never noticed Joseph, Joseph would have never been thrown in the prison. And if Joseph was never thrown in the prison, he would have never met the baker and the cupbearer. And if Joseph never met the cupbearer and the baker, he would, have never been in, he would have never been able to interpret their dreams. And if he never would have interpreted their dreams, the cupbearer would have never known when Pharaoh had a dream that Joseph was well equipped to, uh, to identify and tell him what the dream was. And if Joseph was never in the place, in the position where he can come to Pharaoh and interpret Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh would have never placed Joseph second in command over all of Egypt. And if Joseph was never placed second command over all of Egypt, Joseph would never been in position to provide for his family, which was the dream that he had 20 years ago when he was 17. Listen, this guy's place in the story is important because he helped to identify And he helped to direct Joseph. Can I tell you this morning, we all need this person in our life. We all need this person in our life who is willing to identify the fact that we have a dream, we just have no idea what it means. And that we need to have that person in our life to say, hey, I see there's something going on. I see God has something in your life that he wants to do. Let me, let me help point you in the right direction. See, if Joseph never found that guy, it would have been very easy for Joseph to go back home. So we need those people in our lives to, to be able to tell us and, and be able to point to us and be able to say, hey, I see you have questions. Let me help you out. I think that there have been too many dreams that have suffocated because of the pride in our hearts of saying, I don't need any help. I can do this on my own. When in fact we can't. We need, we need the stranger in our lives. So that's the first one, the stranger. Here is the second one. <clears throat> Excuse me, the caravan. The caravan. So I kind of went through the story. Uh, the guy points Joseph to, the, um, to, to his brothers. His brothers want to kill him. Reuben is like, his brother Reuben is, no, guys, we can't kill him. That's horrible. What kind of people are you? Let's just throw him in the pit, right? Like, crazy. And then, so they throw him in the pit. And, and while, they're, while Joseph is in the pit, uh, this caravan of Ishmaelites, they come by. And the brother's like, hey, we should sell Joseph to these people. And what I really love about, about this visual is that think of Joseph sitting down in this pit this dark pit, we, we talked about it last week. It was about between 10 and, and 30 feet deep. Sitting there thinking, man, this is not the dream that I had. In fact, this looks nothing like the dream that I had. Have you ever said that? This, this looks nothing like it. And, and could you imagine Joseph sitting in the pit thinking, 
This is not the dream that I had. How in the world do I get from here to where I know God has given me the dream for? And lo and behold, here comes this caravan of people. And what they really do is they help take Joseph where, to where he's, from where he's at. And they bring him to where God wants him to be. This is very important because when you look at the dream by yourself, and when you look at the dream of, oh my gosh, this is such a big dream, how in the world do I get there? It's very easy to be overwhelmed by the fear of the dream, correct? And it's very easy to think and wonder, how do I get to, from where I'm at to where God wants me to be? How do I get there? And it's very easy to become overwhelmed with the pressure and the weight of the dream on the shoulders. And it's very easy for the dream to become a burden. And it's very easy to look at the dream and begin to think, this is, this is horrible. Like, I'm not this is not what it's supposed to look like. But I believe we all need people in our lives who are like these Ishmaelite caravan. These people that are like, that come around us and say, hey, let me help you out. See, they didn't directly say that, but that's what they did. They didn't directly say, Joseph, we're helping you get to the next step of where God has for you. But that's essentially what, what happened. He, he got an Uber for free. Come on. And, and so they, they take Joseph in, and we all need these people in our lives because what they do is they help position us to a close proximity, a closer proximity to what God has for us. And so we need these people in our lives that will come around us and say, uh, once we've been pointed to the right direction, when, when we look and we're like, I have no idea how to do this, I don't understand. We have people that, hey, come here, let me help you. And they, they essentially put us on their shoulders. And they carry us. When we get, listen, it's important. It's vital. God wants to distribute the weight of the dream so that you are not looking at the dream and think it's a curse. See, I think it's very easy to begin to see the dream that God's given you as a curse because you're trying to do it alone. And so God wants you to... To, to get these people around you to, to lift you up. See, when, when God gave uh, my wife and us the dream to start discovering, clearly we had no idea what we were doing. And we had someone, we had a stranger that, that, was, that kind of led us to the right direction. But I remember Vanessa and I were like, I, like what do we do here? Like, how do we handle this dream? We knew that we were supposed to start a church. We had no idea how to do it. And someone pointed us into this direction of this organization called ARC. And basically their whole mission is to take people who have a dream to start a church. And they train them up and they direct them and they lead them. And that, that was like our caravan for this dream. Listen, I tell people all the time, Discovery would be a completely different church for the worst if it wasn't for... Ark, and if it wasn't for these people that, that put us 
on their shoulders and, and helped carry us so that the dream didn't become a curse, but we were able to see it in the right light. So, so three people that we need, uh, the stranger, the caravan, and I think this one is the most important, and then we're done. We can have the band come up too. Um, we're going to do some worship at the end and just allow an opportunity for, for us to process what God is wanting to do in our hearts. But the third person that I think helps us in this process is the warden. The warden. And we read about him in Genesis chapter 39. And it says this, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. I want to read that again. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Like, think about the significance of this. Because Joseph, he, he's, this is happening. He, he's falsely accused, thrown into prison. And he's in prison. He's in a dark spot. He's in a rut. He's in a place that, uh, that he doesn't want to be in. And here he is. He's, he, he's, he's in this, this prison. And I think if we're honest, at least if I'm honest, for most, for myself, is that when I'm in a rut, I don't want to help anyone out. Like if I'm in a bad spot, like just leave me alone, like deal with it yourself. Is that just me? Because y'all are looking at me like it's just me. Y'all like, oh, how could he? And, uh, and yet, in spite of Joseph being in this horrible place, the Bible says that he began to help the warden. So much so that the Bible says that the warden had no more worries. So Joseph was doing such a good job at serving the warden that the warden had no more worries. He, he, here's what, what I'm trying to, to get at with this third person. Is that I believe, and I'll explain it right after, but I believe in order for you to fully reach the dream that God has for you, you got to learn to place yourself under another person's dream first and serve their dream and be a pillar in their dream be a structure in their dream before before you can ever fully experience what God has for you. See, I think that's very counterculture in that culture says that, hey, no, like it's my dream first and then your dream. But we see all throughout the Bible, Joshua served Moses' dream. David, King David served King Saul's dream. Peter served Jesus' dream. Joshua served the war, um, Joshua served the cupbearer's dream. Joshua, Joshua served, Joseph, excuse me, served 
the, the, the baker's dream. Before Joseph even experienced what we read at the, in, in Genesis chapter 45. Joseph served Pharaoh's dream. Listen, we, got to, we need to get to the place where, where we are okay with serving someone else's dream before we ever expect God to fully develop ours. Like that's where we're at. We're here to serve. We're here to serve the warden. Who is that in your life? Who is that, who is that in your life that, that, that dream that you can serve? And here's why this is so important. And then we're going to sing a song. But the reason why it's so vital that we begin to place ourselves and become structures in someone else's dream is because we get to see firsthand what God can do. Let me explain. When, when you place yourself under someone else's dream, you get to watch the struggles and the ups and downs of the journey of the dream. But you also get to see how God is faithful in the dream. And that's important because when you start walking your own dream, when things go up and down, you can say, hey, I saw, because I placed myself under someone else's dream, I saw how God was faithful in their dream. And if God could be faithful in their dream, he could be faithful in my dream. He's wanting to do something where we can place ourselves under someone else's dream so we can see God work in their miracle so we can begin to trust God for our miracle. Our miracle. There's something he wants to do. There's something that he wants to do in the hearts and in the lives of each of us here if we can learn to place ourselves under someone else's dream and begin to serve them and honor them. There's something special that God can do, I'm telling you. See, since the age of 16, I was serving someone else's dream. I didn't just like all of a sudden start to become a pastor. But since the age of 16, I was, I was there early Sunday morning serving, serving another person's dream. When I moved to Dallas, I, I found a church startup. They just started a church and it, and it didn't really work out. But I was there and I was serving his dream. I was there and I was, I was serving his dream. Why? Because I believe that if, if I served his dream, if I served their dreams, that, then God would be faithful in this dream. And that's one reason why I'm so confident in what God has called Discovery to do. It's because this house is founded on the backs of people who knew how to serve others and knew how to serve other people's dreams. How do we get to that place where the dream is bigger than the fear? We got to have the correct perspective of God. And we got to embrace the process of people. We got to have the stranger. We got to have the caravan. And we got to have the warden in our lives. For listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.